All right, hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the phone Mr. Chris Sheridan. How you doing today, Chris? I'm doing really good today. Thanks, Jason. All right, that's good yeah. to hear, Chris. Really good. <laughs> and it's Sunday. I'm lying, of course, and I'm just Five acting as if. Course, you know, sure. it's part yeah. of my positive act- thinking outlet. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am acting as if. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we do this show. For an interview who wonder, we act as if we're talking about stuff. Right, yeah. <laughs> and occasionally we actually do. So there you go. Um, well, welcome to the show today. We are talking about uh, Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire, which is a pamphlet, uh, one of the many, many, many uh, books that Manly Hall, Mr. Manly Hall, has written. And uh, this one, uh, I don't know if I gave the full title, it's Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire. And it's a, it's a pamphlet that's made up of uh, three sections. It's called a treatise in three parts. Um, and it's packed, packed with, uh, with great stuff. So we are going to uh, cover some different sections that we won't be able to get to the whole thing. But we just kind of use as we do most of the books that we speak about. It's not necessarily that you've had to read them or anything like that. We use the book kind of as a jumping off point, And then we, you know, hope that you'll go and, and check these books out that we talk about because we have found uh, great wisdom in them, and we hope that you do too. So I am the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. That is available on Amazon.com or at CosmicEye.org. And Chris is the author of The Spirit in the Sky, uh, which is the story of his spiritual experience that he had before he crashed in a plane. And I highly, highly recommend it. Please go out and get a copy for yourself soon that's available on amazon or they can get that through your website right uh chrisheridan.com you have a link through there it just links to amazon yeah there you go perfect that's, that's <laughs> so so i well, mind us too i say like it's two different things like you can buy it at cosmicguy.org or amazon.com but really you're buying it at amazon yeah but, one's a link <laughs> but it is a little easier sometimes just to go through the website because it's right there i mean i put mine on the front front and i think you have yours on your front page as well don't you it is yeah there you go so there's the organization and the commerce that's that's what keeps these these wheels humming over here at the cosmic eye shows <laughs> so speaking of that please do support us if you can financially you can do so through uh anchor.fm slash cosmic eye um and there's a there's a button on there that you'll see where you can you can donate a monthly donation through I think it's Stripe, I believe they use. Um, but you can use PayPal or whatever you want to pay. And thank you for the listeners that are actually supporting us. We do appreciate you. And we will try to keep the good stuff uh, in this esoteric material and uh, and all of the spiritual material that we'd like to cover coming at you each week. So we do have a new episode available every Monday. Uh, so check us out. All right, Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire. So we'll talk first a little bit about, um, we're just going to kind of unpack this book a little bit, kind of one piece at a time. Like I said, it's it's a very uh, densely uh, filled book. It's one of these slim little volumes that like every page you could probably do a an extrapolation or a breakdown from, you know, three or four of the ideas or even one of the ideas that's on there. There's literally probably hundreds of, of, of shows in this book itself, but we're going to try to kind of do an overview of it. Um, the first, the first section uh, gets into the mysteries, the ancient mysteries. So these, of course, uh, if you're not familiar with them, are the the mystery schools of ancient Greece, ancient Rome, ancient Persia, you know, the ancient Near East in general, Palestine, Israel, as it's known today. Um, Etc. So these schools existed to teach the the universal religion, the universal truth, and you know, this book deals a lot with that, uh, with that idea, and we'll get into that more as we as we delve as we delve into the different ideas in this book. Uh, but these were institutions where uh, men and women got together and they studied the ancient wisdom, and it was a uh, it was an organized sort of affair. Uh, somewhat, somewhat like a like a church, but uh, more like a more like a school with levels and grades and ritual that was done. Um, this is more a participatory sort of a sort of a situation. And generally speaking, most of these mysteries had within them uh, elements of trial, uh, ritual trials that the candidates had to go through. 
And, um, you know, Manley Hall talks, talks quite a bit about that. And this is, a, you know, one of the big subjects in esoteric and occult history is this uh, initiatory system that existed. Uh, it still exists today in some of the groups. Of course, Manley Hall mentions Freemasonry. And there are, uh, you know, there are sort of offshoots of, of these mystery schools that still exist. They don't have the, the dangers of the rituals that they used to have, but they do symbolically represent them in the ritual that they do today. And Masonry is certainly uh, one of those organizations that does that. Some of the modern magical groups, the Rosicrucians, um, trying to think of BOTA, Paul Foster Cases group that exists in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. Um, well, even the uh, mainstream academic institutions in some ways parallel that. You have to prove through your SAT scores that you're uh, a worthy candidate. Uh, mm -hmm. I think now they just make sure the check cashes uh, and then you can get in. But um, <laughs> is, that the, is that the prerequisite? Is yeah, that, well, I mean, so, so those these may be, I mean, it makes sense because, well, how can you go through, you know, grade 12 if you didn't finish grade 10? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, is you know very logical, but uh, well, but it's would, also you know you're prepared. That, it means that you're prepared, so it's it's yeah. a similar function. No, exactly, and I think that that uh, that idea, the modern academic idea, is something that they borrowed from the ancient mysteries, the graded traditions yeah. of of uh, of you know antiquity, because that is the way that things were taught. These mysteries were taught in in grades and levels, and so you know you didn't jump into the higher mysteries without going through the rudimentary, you know, courses of learning first. There were tests and trials, as I said. You know, and one of the things I think that, you know, a lot of people are missing these days, especially our, our young men who have a lot of, you know, are having a lot of trouble kind of finding their place in society today is this sort of initiation and trial uh, that's necessary. And it seemed, you know, I think for both men and women, these these trials are necessary. But for some some reason, it seems that men need them to a greater degree to kind of temper themselves and it has a lot to do with, I think, you know, testosterone and kind of the different, you know, physiological makeup that we, uh, we carry within us. Uh, but for example, like these, you know, Manly Hall talks a, a bit about the ancient mysteries down in Central America. It doesn't mention which, uh, you know, which group that was, whether it's Aztecs, Incas or Mayans, or maybe it was pre, you know, pre, uh, you know, his, our historical ideas of that, but they talk about how, you know, a candidate was led down into these caverns and had to sort of grope around and find his way to, uh, to this, this inner sanctum chamber. And along the way, you know, you had to keep full, full visual vigilance of mind and be aware of everything that was coming at you. And they would, you know, jump out and attack you and things like that. And then the final trial was when this sort of uh, bat god would swoop down from from above as you entered this lighted chamber and he would screech uh, like a demon and then would slash a razor sharp sword at your head and if you didn't have the presence of mind to duck or get the hell out of the way you didn't you obviously didn't pass that trial so you know there was those elements uh, to to the mysteries where it was in a lot of cases life and death. The Druids had their their initiatory ritual of sending the candidate out on a on a very kind of tiny little boat into the sea, uh, and you know you kind of were left to the mercy of uh, of the uh, the ocean as it were. And you know if if you made it, you made it, and the gods you know meant that you should be a, a candidate, and if you didn't, well, so be it. So, you know, these were real and harsh and difficult rituals that these that these people went through. Uh, now, not everybody do... was signing up to get in either because of the dangers involved in the sure, initiation. Sure. It was, you had to have at least some idea that you think yeah. uh, you were willing or worthy or, you know, well, had some reason to be there. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, even uh, a lot of the uh, modern symbolic rituals of the church today, particularly the Catholic Church, you know, are, are connected to uh, to some of these rituals. Um, I like that section. I want you to talk about this because you uh, you really keyed on this in on this. And so did I, the, the uh, symbolism of the incense burner. Uh, and this has to do with the mystery of fire, which is the central theme of this book, really, is the mystery of fire and the mystery of man. And 
we'll go deeper into that. But uh, can you share a little bit about that, the, the mystery of the incense and, and how that carried over? Maybe read a little bit from that section. Sure. The, um, you know, point to what, you know, a lot of these rituals and this pamphlet goes into, well, actually not into too much detail, but lists, you know, a great number of them um, that use fire or a light, uh, bringing the light in, you know, unfolding the light out um, as a common theme uh, for spirit, uh, for your, the divine spark uh, that's within you, uh, the light from heaven. Uh, and not just the sun, this flaming orb, but the spiritual light that's behind it, the, the light that lightens you up, being enlightened. Uh, so this kind of thing, this is why this, this uh, fire or bright uh, you know, burning aspect uh, is so critical uh, and so common in a lot of these um, you know, symbolic uh, rituals and different systems. But yeah, if we could just take one that's you know, relatively commonplace, even if you're not a Christian or Catholic or anything like that, maybe you've seen somebody in a movie and they have this spherical incense burner and they're swinging it on a chain and the incense they're all no they're chanting or something and it's um and you think okay well incense. Wait, can you teach me how to do that chant i was uh i was i'll need to write well, it's, we'll, we'll do if it. you pass initiation we'll, we'll do yeah we'll do it after the show we don't want to <laughs> yeah give, i don't know we don't want to give the business yeah no that's all right i'm sorry i couldn't help yeah. myself yeah, actually, my dear, I should be worried about divulging. Oh, yeah, uh, don't divulge. Too many, yeah, the, the secret chance <laughs> with the incense. The secret chance with the incense. Just make something up. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, you think incense, well, how innocuous, you know, is that? You know, everybody, every hippie in town has an incense burner or something or not. You know, just it's a very common uh, lighting uh, of a, uh, you know, a scent to uh, be part of ritual or creating sacred space. Uh, but very directly involved with this symbol of the incense burner uh, and the incense that's inside and the spark that ignites the incense and then the smoke that's created. So you have this fourfold uh, you know, thing going on right here, just in the incense burning. If you take a closer look, you can see that the incense burner, uh, that is where, where the incense is you know, being contained uh, relates to the body, just like a lot of cultures think, you know, the body is the container of the soul, that this you know, cup that we have uh, is this vehicle, this vessel uh, through which our real self, uh, our spirit self, our soul uh, nature uh, is being carried around or the temple, the body is a temple. Uh, and then it's, that's important because of what it can bring in and the empty space that it houses, but it's important in that there's something going on inside the temple. So what's going on inside this incense burner or inside the body um, is this incense um, that's representing uh, the fire in man, you know, the, the divine part of, of your soul um, that's in there. And it might be asleep. It might be dormant uh, or it's, uh, just potential energy waiting to be actualized to become kinetic energy, uh, like a seed before it is germinated. Uh, a seed can last thousands of years as long as it's stored properly. And then one day you can just plant it and it'll grow like, you know, like last year's crop. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the incense that's inside it. And the spark that ignites the incense is the spiritual germ that this divine spark, that we all have it. Um, just like, I mean, this is kind of an odd metaphor, but say if you take your, your phone that's connected to Wi-Fi or some you know, network, um, you don't need to have every page on the internet and every video on YouTube on your phone. Um, it, but it has to be connected mm. to this larger source. Yeah. So you're getting a localized, but you don't, so we don't have to house you know, God in his entirety or, you know, the universe in its you know, infinity um, in, inside us. We just have to have that spark, that thread of connection. As long as it's a solid connection, you're good to go because then you have everything Yeah. <laughs> by, yeah. by means of that one connection. So this divine spark that uh, ignites, so think of like an unlit candle, 
and you've seen candle ceremonies where there's a single candle, a central candle, and 100 people can come up to that flame with their unlit candle and light it off a single flame. So this is the way, you know, the incense, you know, being symbolized uh, in the, uh, uh, you know, the soul being then released um, through this catalyzing or uh, activating spark this fire and so then as the incense burns you're taking this material substance the incense uh, and then as it's burning it's transformed into a much more refined smoke yes it has material substance there's particles and you can see it and obviously there's a, a scent involved uh, even if it's you can't see the smoke you can still smell it so it has this um, very refined uh, physical aspect, but it's been released from its dormant state, and now it's active and it's filling the room. And it's just like you know, talking about unfolding your own light. And oh, when somebody walks in the room, they just light up the the room with their their smile or something like that. Mm -hmm. It that that's you know again that's where the symbol is pointing to that if if we can you know spark our dormant or a sleeping perhaps self. Uh, larger self uh, through this spiritual energy and it will emanate out and other people will feel it, sense it, smell it, uh, it gets, you know, some sense of it being there. And, and then this process, and that's the transmutation process. And that is the symbol or it symbolizes um, what the transformative aspect um, that we all face you know, can we take this clay of our life and transform it like an alchemist transforming lead into gold uh, into something greater, something better, something more refined, yeah, something yeah. and it more starts, valuable? It starts, though, recognizing that that that, that divine spark is in there, doesn't it? So, yeah, well, it does because it can't happen without it, like the incense. It needs that to be lit, mm -hmm. but that we have that substance, first of all. And then, yes, that spark that can light it so we can release it. And that's, that's the mystery, but it symbolizes what we need to do. So I guess the short answer would be, you know, we have our clay bodies or this shell and within it is the substance uh, of higher soul and self, uh, but it's not going to get there on its own. It needs this divine spark to get it started. And it's connecting with that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's that connection yeah. to the divine that, that we are all heir to. Exactly. <laughs> we are, it's our birthright. But we don't know it, and we've forgotten that. So it's re-enchanting, reconnecting with that spirit. And then once all it really takes is a spark, once it's lit within us, then we can become a beacon of that well, yeah, and carry exactly. that forward. And that's what, uh, you know, that's what the mystery schools and what religion is, is, is for in its proper, you know, in its proper use is to help us to unfold uh, our powers, our latent powers within spiritually. Uh, and mm -hmm. to find find that divine spark, right? So, you know, that, through through the connection, yeah, yeah, through that connection. And this, I think, this idea is you know one of the main themes of of this uh, of this book, and that um, you know Manley Hall titles the you know this chapter "Fire the Universal Deity," and um, you know goes into all of the different uh, the different religions and different um, deities and gods and heroes and so on that are associated with. With fire, of course, fire is, you know, is, is associated with the sun and then the light from that sun or the rays from that sun are an extension of that. Um, you know, he goes on later on to point out how in the polar ice caps in north, in uh, Freemasonry North is thought of as being, um, is, it, is in a place where light is, um, is not forthcoming uh, so that we would reflect light onto that and it represents actually crystallized light, the, uh, the snow and the, 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 the ice that's there. And then that crystallized light actually represents the material universe. Um, so it's an interesting symbol. Um, but the, the, one of the things that that's, that's interesting about this, um, this idea is it goes back to, to Manley Hall points out that the, uh, Atlanteans were sun worshipers and that, um, the Native Americans, who he believed were remnants of earlier Atlantean people, 
uh, regarded the sun as proxy of the supreme light giver. So it's not so much that they're worshiping the sun per se, but they're looking at the invisible behind it, uh, behind that orb that life, you know, revolves around. And, you know, the sun is, is, uh, you know, it's, it's the central force that, you know, that allows life to exist. It allows us to, to see it, you know, it gives us our heat. It causes, uh, plants to grow and you know you know it's it's our source of life physically speaking right so what they were looking at then is though the force behind that what created that what sustains that and so on speaking spiritually not specifically of the the sun as a as some sort of you know just fiery ball in the sky made up of xyz gases and so big and you know supposedly will burn out in x amount of time or whatever according to science Uh, but the you know, it, the sun as a sort of a living entity and the energy behind it and how it, you know, is in and through everything that exists in terms of materiality that we experience. Um, so it, it was it was natural then that people would see this connected to, to light and, of course, then to the gods. And, you know, you mentioned some of the gods that are connected to the sun. These are gods and heroes. Jupiter, Apollo, Hermes, Mithras, Bacchus, Dionysus, Odin. Buddha, Krishna, Zoroaster, Fohai, Vishnu, Shiva, Agni, Baldur, Hiram, Abif, Moses, Samson, Jason, Vulcan, Uranus, Osiris, Bel, Baal, etc., etc., etc. King Solomon is connected to the sun's soul. Um, and even mystical Christians uh, oftentimes see Jesus as being somewhat analogous to the sun, uh, S-O-N. Uh, and S-U-N, so they, they, they see those two things as being somewhat analogous, at least uh, symbolically speaking, right? So uh, one of the ideas behind this comes from the Greek mysteries. Um, and this is where Prometheus steals fire and, and, and gives it to man. Actually, what had happened was that the gods on Mount Olympus were repenting that they had made man. They were tired of listening to them quarreling and making trouble, and they were going to destroy them. Um, and Prometheus, uh, who, who actually had a heart for humans and a love for their, their struggles, uh, determined to bring mankind that divine fire, which would make the human race immortal. And he did. He brought it to them, uh, down uh, to them, and then he was punished for it, and then Hercules uh, released him. But this, um, this is one of those ideas. So this divine spark, this light that Prometheus brought is, is something that's within us. And, you know, these, these ideas are, and these, these mythologies are pointing us back to ourselves. And that's what man, uh, what man Hall talks about quite a bit in uh, man, the grand symbol, which is a different book, but he touches on that actually there's a chapter called man, the grand symbol. Um, you remember it was interesting when he was talking about that at the beginning of the book, when he, he was saying how the uh, early priests, um, you know, this is pre prehistorical religion and so on, and ancient religion uh, would would have a, a model of a human being uh, on the altar, and it would have markings on it that would show the workings of the human body and the, the different centers of energy and so on. And, and it, they had a greater understanding of that spirit. We you know what we might call Kundalini energy or the different spiritual centers and all these these uh, these different things that are going on. And they would have this. Um, sort of model or what Manly Hall calls a mannequin on the on the altar and then he pointed out that gradually as time went on the mysteries uh, began to degenerate and they started worshiping that man and then they confused man uh, with with the symbol oh wow that's a is that two dogs today or is that the same dog making different I think noises. it's three. Three dogs? It might be three. Yeah, they're wow. multiplying. Wow. <laughs> All right. So if we keep doing this show, pretty soon we're going to be hearing a pack of dogs in the background. So <laughs> I, hope, I, hope that we can, I hope that we can do this show that long. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So at any rate, um, man then uh, is a symbol of, we've talked about this before in the Hermetic wisdom, as above, so below. So man is the, the microcosm whereby we can understand the macrocosm. So the ancients saw the human being and man, you know, humans' bodies as the sort of model upon which they could sort of psychically 
uh, how can I say this, uh, dissected in a sense, I mean, not physically, but sort of psychically dissected and look into the energies and the, and the, you know, and the symbolism and so on of, of the body. And then they'd be able to sort of extrapolate that up to understand the macrocosm, which is the universe, the created world around them. So they used man as a, as a symbol uh, for that, for understanding the universe. That's the star of the pentagram. Is a symbol of man that's pythagoras used the star uh, because if you you know if you st stand with your legs out and your arms out in that sort of um, uh, da vinci position a man man looks like a star you know we've got the head we've got the the, the two arms and the two legs it's five pointed and, and and so on so there's that symbolic reference to to man as a symbol man as a symbol um so you uh you wanted to talk about a couple of things why don't you why don't you start in with uh some of those ideas we had talked about before the show and um i will look at something else real quick okay well we talked about so much and you're right this is deceivingly small uh it's very concisely and very densely packed with um a lot of stuff but what uh, instead of trying to explain everything, yep. it would uh, take way too much time because once you unpack something, it becomes huge. Uh, kind of pare down, you know, the, to the essence of it. Like, what's the common theme? What uh, really are we getting at? And it begs the question, and he answers it because uh, he addresses it directly. You know, what are the mysteries? Why study them? What are we learning? And what do we do with that information? Uh, and why is it, you know, so secret? Mm. Well, we kind of talked about uh, the secret of nature. It's not for everybody to understand. And I think, you know, like a lot of things, uh, if you don't temper, you know, scientific progress with uh, some wisdom and some ethics, uh, it's just, well, how big of a nuclear bomb can we build? Well, how many killer robots can we develop? Uh, yeah. How can we yeah. mine everybody's information and sell it without really asking some of the ethical questions. It always seems like our technology, you know, exceeds, uh, that is our intellectual wisdom, you know, the mind uh, as a thing, a thinking thing that thinks about things uh, as opposed to maybe more of a heart mind where you're feeling things and you're more of the being, uh, you know, behind the body or within the body. It seems like we uh, exceed that. We exceed uh, some of our ethical questions. And one of the, and also the real danger is that we run the risk. And I think we're squarely uh, in the crosshairs of, of that right now is looking at the world and ourselves as these material things. Yeah. Solely material. Sure. Yeah, of course. I'm not going to argue against materiality. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be here, but uh, but as that being the be all end all, yeah, exactly, and, and and all that you can know about yourselves. Now we can all know ourselves physically somewhat. We know what we like to eat, what mm -hmm. we don't. We know when we're tired. I mean, there's, yeah, you know, sure. we, we live in our bodies, even if we don't fully identify with them. We're you know we're you know, we're the roommate <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, involved, and um, and so we're these mystery traditions, you know specifically talked about in, in this one, uh, are doing is reminding us, keeping alive this whole other half, which I would argue is the larger half, if yeah. that makes sense, the maybe perhaps more important, more significant uh, half of our natures, and that's the invisible, that is the immaterial, the world of causal things, not the world of effect, because if look in just the material world and in our material selves, we're not really looking at causes. You see a symptom mm -hmm. appear. It's not the cause. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it may be something you, you need to address as well, but it's telling you something else. Yeah. <laughs> it's the visible thing that's telling you something invisible. It's pointing so, back towards that, that, uh, that invisible, isn't it? Yes. And that's really at the heart of the, the mystery school. We're really learning what that invisible thing is. And it doesn't, you know, talk about the secret of nature. You can't even really tell somebody because you can't really write it down mm -hmm. and say, oh, and flip to the back of the book and say, well, here are the answers. Yeah. Um, you can with a lot of material stuff, but well, that doesn't know, work with. He talks about uh, the difference between speculative masonry and operative masonry. Do you remember that? 
And the speculative masonry is the, the, the work that you do in Lodge. It's the information you get through books and ritual and so on. And the operative masonry is the real secret teachings, which go on their bodily and physiological and spiritual processes that go on within the body, within the mind, within the, the spirit of yourself uh, that are truly invisible and truly secret and cannot be conveyed with words. Do you know what I mean? And that's right. Like it's like you were saying, that, if you're right? well, it is. And it's 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 also pointing to the importance of that, that that is the difference. And, and he mentioned it a couple of times uh, in this this uh, this pamphlet mm -hmm. that, you know, the reason uh, the goal of these great seers and sages and mystics uh, throughout time and cultures, um, you know, are studying these mysteries and the whole goal is for personal and the collective salvation. Uh, how do we make peace and harmony with ourselves, our lives, the world around us and, and the people we come in contact with? And it was strongly believed that that was through real knowledge of your true self. And that's what the mystery schools really uh, explored exactly. and really helped you have an experience with. Not, not, you don't have an experience with, well, two plus two is four. Okay, wow, I experienced that. No, it's just knowledge. I, it's important and I yeah. use it every day. But, um, but to realize something where you go, aha, inside. Yeah. Because you put something together, yeah. Because you, you took this knowledge and created something that wasn't on the menu, and yeah. and it came together because of that. That's only something you can do, like lifting weights sure, or practicing exactly. or something. And, and that really takes place exactly. And that's I think what, what we we always like to use that word that Manley Hall used, ensouled. So it's ensouled wisdom. It's something that you have experiential knowledge of. Something that you might call gnosis. Um, you know, that there's an, there's a, there's an awakening within uh, that goes beyond just like, you know, day-to-day -day knowledge. And that's what the mystery schools were trying to awaken. And it wasn't just that they were imparting secret wisdom to you. It was that it was a training facility for you to become a better person. Um, you know, yeah, because the real secret is within each one of us. Exactly. It's the own blinders we have inside. We are keeping this secret from ourselves. Well, and that's that mystery of that divine spark that's within you. You know, you think that it's outside. Well, I'm going to find it over here. I'm going to find it over there. I'm going to find it in this or that, you know, teaching. I'm going to do Kundalini yoga and raise my, you know, Kundalini and my third eye is going to open and then I'm going to see it. And the thing is, it's like, yes, those things can, can all happen. But they're a process that takes place really simultaneously within and without. Um, and it's a process that includes ethical and moral training. It really does. And so people think sometimes that, for example, like we talked a little bit about yoga earlier, and you know, it's not to, to knock yoga by any means, it's a fantastic thing, but in a lot of its forms in, in the United States and in Europe and around the world, in the English speaking world in particular, it's become a very, very popular form of exercise and quote unquote spirituality but you know you're not studying the tenets of yoga philosophy you know you're not studying the yamas and niyamas the do's and don'ts basically which are more or less kind of a you know guidelines almost like a ten commandments uh to abstain from you know certain things and you know do other things and things like that and people you know and you're also not following the yoga with a, a deep meditation uh, so some of the some of the spiritual lessons and training are, are lost. And then it just becomes like Pilates or something. And it's not bad. It's better to do yoga than to not do yoga. But best of all would be to do yoga in the right spirit and to train the body, you know, the mind, spirit and soul at the same time. And that's what, you know, the ancient mysteries and the ancient wisdom strove for and still does today. I mean, the ancient wisdom is not dead. We're we're, we're trying to perpetuate it in the work that we're doing and in our lives. And uh, there are a lot of schools and, and teachers and so on who are doing the same thing today. So, so it's nothing, it's not a dead thing, but it is, um, it is, it is more of an inside job, quote unquote, than it used to be because there were more mystery schools. Literally you could walk down the street, you know, in an ancient city in Rome or Greece. And, you know, there was a mystery school there and, you know, you could hang around and try to figure out how you might become a member and they might give you some trials and some things to do. Like, I mean, Pythagoras had his uh, 
possible initiates not speak for five years uh, before they could even enter. So before you even started, you had to you had to be able to keep silent and to be able to keep to yourself. And this is something today that doesn't even make any sense to us. Keep silent. <laughs> secret oh, secret yeah. wisdom. As soon as I get a piece of information, I'm posting it on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, and you can't sit still and for five minutes without checking your. That's what Insta I'm saying. Or something. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so this is one of the things that, as you know, people of the modern and postmodern world, we have to remember. You know, all of this information, quote unquote, is available on the internet. All of these secret books have been blown apart, and you know, this and that secret teaching has been under, you know, has been under scrutiny by this academic person. And there's a million books on a million quote unquote secret subjects, but none of that information can become wisdom unless you put it into action. And that's the difference between, I think, the ancient world and the modern world. The modern world is we have every bit of information we could ever need at our fingertips and no concentration or sense of sort of mission, I guess, to make it actually come alive for us and to put that stuff for work. It just becomes more knowledge. Like, okay, now I know that. Now I know that now I, you know, I, 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 this, this particular person has opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, all of the, you know, the, the mysteries, you know, Christianity is made up of all these different ideas and it's, you know, it's got bits of uh, Mithraic tradition in it or in bits of Orphic wisdom and it's, you know, got some Judaism in it and some, you know, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's all academic. When you begin to really get into the, the truth behind it, though, and this is what he's talking about when he talks about the very last sentence in this book is man know thyself you know, man, know thyself, you know, you have to look and find these mysteries within yourself. And you have to begin to explore them through your own livingness, your own life, your own being. Yes, you can go to school. And yes, you can pick up more of this wisdom, you know, through books and through teachings and through listening to podcasts and so on, right. But, you know, the ultimate work is to be done in your life. So, all right, so let me get into a little bit about uh, Melchizedek, because this book is called Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire. That was kind of one of the things we talked about at the beginning uh, before we got on here, was that Melchizedek is talked about for maybe a couple of paragraphs in this book, but he saw fit to put it in the, in the title of this book, and I found that very interesting. So Melchizedek is a is is a is a priest it's in the bible there's there's a there's a secret order known as the order of melchizedek all right and i'm going to uh, i'll read what manly hall has to say about this and then i'll speak a little bit about the bible so the highest of all the court or occult orders which exists only in the inner world may be called the order of melchizedek although among certain nations it has other names this order is composed entirely of the graduates of the other mystery schools who have actually reached the point where they can give birth to their present selves out of their own natures, like the mysterious Phoenix bird, which breaking open at death permits a new, new bird to fly forth. Um, the Phoenix built its nest out of flames, which is exceedingly significant. So the idea is that Melchizedek was this priest king uh, Melka means uh, is connected to the word king, and Sedek in, in Hebrew is is a is a righteous one or or a priest. Uh, and what is that, by the way? Uh, it was a uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something's broken are, now. Are right. the, are the spirits <laughs> snapping things in your room? It's as that we spark speak. of uh, is the divine spark, spark is... is the divine spark snapping plastic in your room. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay, so so Abram, before he becomes Abraham in Genesis, runs into Melchizedek and offers him offerings and so on. And, and then Jesus is known in the New Testament as after the order of Melchizedek. So it's a mysterious figure uh, that's, that's talked about. And, you know, we were talking about this, and, and I, I did a little bit of research because I couldn't really figure out why why this book is is called Melchizedek when he doesn't really speak about him that, that, that much. But then I read, I did a bit of research and I read that Melchizedek in the, in the 
uh, Essene tradition, they found some scrolls at Qumran, and Melchizedek is actually associated with the archangel uh, Michael, or Michael, who is the archangel of fire, the archangel of fire. So, uh -huh. you know, he's the one that's depicted with the flaming sword in, in, uh, in Catholicism and you know, you, you, so, so that, that, that flame, that light is connected to, to Michael and to Melchizedek. And then, you know, the mystery, the real mystery is the idea that of course, this, this flame of God is within us ourselves. Uh, and that's, you know, that's one of the, the things that it keeps, that it keeps pointing at. That's why one must know thyself. So, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting connection that I was, I was not aware of until I did that little bit of research. Um, yeah, great, uh, great find with that. That's, okay. uh, yeah. you know, work, you know, kind of beyond, beyond the page. Uh, and that, um, you know, that was very significant. I think, you know, when you told me that, that that's uh, it was a great, uh, great find. And etymologically it works, you know, with the words. Yeah. It's in the history or the, uh, you know, the mythology anyway. Let me read this as well. This actually kind of sums, sums this whole thing up. That, so this, the mystery also is a, um, so there's two, basically two halves of ourselves that he talks about. There's this sort of, um, there's this fire half and then there's this water or earthy half. And he calls, uh, he calls this at, uh, by different, different things, but there's the sons of, uh, sons of fire and the, the daughters of men, sometimes known as, he talks about fire and water, or fire and earth as being two different elements. So th this basically is alluding to the, the sort of spirit, the spiritual side, the, the divine fire that's within us, and then the, the, the body, uh, the earthy material side of ourselves. The idea is that you're bringing these two things into complete harmony with this work. And that's what they talk about the divine androgyne, or they talk about, you know, the divine her hermaphrodite, because one is seen, the fire is seen as male and the earth or the, or the water side is seen as female. And bringing those two things into order brings the divine hermaphrodite. It's a balance, complete balance. So the, the, the sort of the body and the spirit are brought into complete uh, complete unity. You see that in the, the symbol of the, the, the daiji, uh, the the symbol of um, uh, yin and yang in Taoism mm -hmm. and uh, in many other places. So let me read this real quick. The secret order of uh, Melchizedek can never appear in the physical world while humanity is constituted according to its present plan. It is the supreme mystery school and a few have reached the point where they have blended their divine and human natures so perfectly that they are symbolically two-headed. The heart and mind, like you were speaking about earlier, must be brought into perfect equilibrium before true thinking or true spirituality can be attained. The highest function of the mind is reason. The highest function of the heart is intuition. A sensing process not necessitating the normal working of the mind. Reason alone is heartless. Feeling alone is mindless. But these two blended together temper justice with mercy and kindliness with strength. It's like the two pillars of... Uh, of the temple as well, Boaz and Yaquin, our our mind and uh, our excuse me reason and and, and mercy. Uh, the spirit is neither male nor female, but both an androgynous entity. The perfect manifestation of the androgynous spirit must be through an androgynous body, which is self-generating. But many millions of years must pass before the human race learns the lessons of polarity sufficiently well to assume this new nature with intelligence. And he goes on to speak about how that actually will become a physical thing in the future where after millions of years of, of evolution and spiritual development, that will become self-generating creatures, which is an occult idea that's, uh, that's floating around in many of these, uh, in many of these books. Um, such is the mystery of the priest King and such was the position which Jesus reached when he was called a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All this is symbolized in the emblems of the 33rd degree of Freemasonry, which is the double-headed eagle. So it's uh, it's interesting how all that all that stuff comes together in this in this symbolism. Melchizedek, very very interesting figure. So I highly recommend doing a little bit of research uh, if you can. And that Melchizedek's uh, mentioned in in Hebrews in the Bible. And it, let me look real quick. I had this. I actually pulled this out. Uh, Hebrew Hebrews five and six and seven. 
there's multiple references and then in um genesis 14 18 and then actually in psalms uh 110 4. uh so melchizedek is is that figure there um anything else i mean that you have to add we are kind of getting near the the end of our normal time but what uh there was something else you wanted to talk about earlier yeah. at the beginning. What was that? Well, using, you know, again, this symbol of fire, mm-hmm. uh, one of the you know, great aspects, uh, as well as life-giving and heat and safety and all these things that it can uh, generate, um, but the aspect of light um, and light being likened to intelligence, intelligence in the larger sense, like you were just describing where, you know, like a Buddhist might say a heart mind that, you know, our feelings, you know, can have wisdom um, and our mind can have compassion. It's, we're kind of like, again, like that Tai Chi symbol, there's a little bit of the white in the dark and there's a little bit of the dark in the white half. So there's a little bit of heart in our minds and there's a little bit of intelligence in our hearts. Yeah. So, what, uh, what he describes uh, in this first um, section, um, you know, he goes on uh, with the symbol of light, um, just like, you know, an illuminating light, uh, that the universe uh, is constructed of heaven, which is immaterial, it's spirit, um, it's causal, it's invisible, uh, and earth, the other component uh, that's, you know, physical, it's visible, and it's the world of effects. And in between heaven and earth stands the human being. And he likens that to light, uh, or, you know, pulling from, from other sources, uh, that in between heaven and earth, and what binds them together, uh, because some traditions believe that the, you know, the two really don't meet, or it's the hard problem in science. How does, you know, uh, mind interact with body, you know, spirit and, and matter? It's, it's been uh, bothering us for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that this pathway, this uniting the two is through the human being and using the light of intelligence uh, because, you know, the light is in both worlds, even if these two worlds don't meet the light in man um, is both of them. And it's through that that we become enlightened or enlightenment. And it's not just, you know, pouring this light from within. It's actually using the light that we have inside. And this inner aspect of the light, the heat, the flame, the fire, uh, is so ever-present in these traditions that to really just say, well, they worship the sun. Again, that's the, the lesser half <laughs> of, uh, of the whole entire mystery. Mm-hmm. It's the light and the fire and, inside. And we can know this from just our language where we say, well, I have a burning passion or uh, I have, you know, lit a fire under my uh, feet mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. that, you know, that fire yeah, inside, yeah. you just got to, you know, it's, it's not water or earth <laughs> or always got a bunch of air. No. no. That's, that's not what gets things done. It's, you know, it's lighting this fire, this, this spark um, that does it. And through this light of intelligence, uh, and that's shining a light, this cosmic eye light uh, on both spirit and matter. And we can stand with a foot in each uh, because we have that component inside us, even though, yes, we are physical in body and we are spiritual, maybe in soul, but inside we have this light that helps bridge these two together. Like you're talking about uh, the male and the female, like, you know, Hermes and Aphrodite, you know, mm-hmm. coming together, making the hermaphrodite, uh, whether it's, you know, heaven and earth, male, female, light and dark, uh, bringing these together because of this internal light. And that's uh, even just looking at the word pyramid, you know, the funeral pyre or a pyromaniac, P-Y-R, mm-hmm. Uh, prefix, and then mid being in the middle, uh, that that is the fire in the middle. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's a symbol of the triangle with the, uh, you know, the flame mm-hmm. inside. Yeah. Um, actually, the Atlanta Flames hockey team used to have that when they were a team. 
but again, it's this fight, the pyramid, it's the fire in the middle, it's the fire inside. And that's really the mystery of fire is not the fire out there. It's the fire in here. How can we connect with that? Just what is that yeah. and what does it do and how we can unfold that? And that has to do with knowing yourself, just knowing that you have this divine spark within you. Yeah, That's a different knowledge, but you have to kind of feel it. I can't just tell you that. And it's like, okay, well, then it's just an opinion. Uh, but if you feel that inside yourself, then you don't need anybody's opinion. You have your own experience uh, you know, that will tell you that. Absolutely. And, like, uh, and I think he was likening or using the symbol, say like of a flame, a candle flame is really an inverted heart that, you know, heart shaped. And it really, a you know, candle flame kind of does look like an inverted heart. And what the symbolism there points to is that like the oil uh, is the fuel that lights the flame, um, the blood, which is in all parts of our bodies, it goes everywhere, uh, is the fuel that, you know, that fuels the inner fire, the inner flame, the flame that's inside us. So, yeah. uh, you know, like Christos uh, is, is an oil, um, you know, anointing, mm -hmm. it's this anointing mm -hmm. oil, but it's not just oil you put on your body. It's this oil that fuels this flame, this fire. So you can't stop at oil. You have to look at the fire that, that this oil uh, is feeding. Well put, well put, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, so I mean, if you see that divine spark within yourself as the intermediary and the connecting link between the higher, between heaven and between earth, then you yourself are that, uh, you know, are that spiritual place and you are that sort of um, sacred flame that's in the temple that's ever burning. Uh, so if you can remember that, that's what they meant by know thyself that they put over the, uh, the, the temples in Greece. Uh, temple of Apollo, I believe, is what had that. That is it. Find that divine flame within. Thank you for joining us. Uh, check out uh, Mr. Hall's work, uh, Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire. Uh, fantastic book and a, a point of reference where you can really go off in a, a million different great directions uh, of thinking. Uh, the main point, of course, he's getting at is, is that divine sacred uh, flame within uh, oneself. So uh, connect to that, as I said, and uh, you will find a, a world of difference. Um, thank you for joining us here on the Cosmic Eye Show. We have a new show every Monday. Uh, Chris's book is if you, excuse me, Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky. My book is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, and both of those can be found on Amazon.com. Please support us if you can, anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. Have a great week. Goodbye, and God bless.